Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode was about how data center infrastructure is adapted to edge DLT, distributed ledger technology workloads. And thinking through if those demands, blockchain, uh, proof of stake coins, are changing the way we look at data center infrastructure. And the short answer is yes, but more about the type of workloads that we're running and how we distribute them rather than the type of equipment that we need to buy. So this conversation very quickly becomes one about what we want to do with our infrastructure, not what the infrastructure is. And I know you will find it fascinating. On on those notes, I would pivot us to the topic of the day, which is um, major versus what we've been calling majors versus minors. So this idea and and the goal here is is a part two. So the the idea here is to describe the differences in the, the actual resources and components that would go into data center changes. So just as, as a back, background in history, majors and minors, majors are enterprise data centers, major major consumers, and then minors are crypto and, and um, new, I would, I would say new uses of data center infrastructure. And the premise for the conversation really started on uh, the, this question of, are the types of infrastructure that are used and the demands of that infrastructure on the facilities different? So are um, crypto-based or DLT-based data centers fundamentally different structures Mm -hmm. um, and the equipment that they're consuming fundamentally different than enterprise data centers um, and and the, the servers and infrastructure that are being put together for enterprises. Um, so is it one market or two? I'm sorry, Rob, you, you mentioned, you said equipment they're consuming as opposed, mm-hmm. as opposed to deploying. Was that purposeful? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I, I, I could have used either. I, I guess that it's betraying a little bit of my bias about how, I see some of the mining activities um, being, you know, engaging in in the the broader market. Mining, I I think you can realistically say mining chews up and 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 does consume hardware. I mean, you you, you're 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 putting stuff in place and and throwing it out pretty quickly. At least that has been the case up until now. So yeah. there's a there's a slightly different business model for the supplier the, uh, there. So, so you're changing the ecosystem. You're changing the probably by hmm. whether by design or or just coincidentally you're changing both the business model, the marketing model, the whole. You know how how do you build how do you build hardware? How do you build infrastructure that lives in a in a an environment that is kind of almost well almost planned obsolescence? You you're 
so it's unlike it's unlike what we've seen to date. So that yeah kind of that that is worth worth considering. But the other other point that I recall being put in play when we talked about this before was the whole notion of storage and data. You know, we always have this big, you know, bring the data to the compute or bring the compute to the storage. And um, I continue to scratch my head about things like Filecoin. And I know that was mentioned last time. It was, yeah, good memory. Uh, um, we also have to remember that um, different uh, blockchains, um, because let's be honest, like, uh, mining uh, is not just about cryptocurrencies, but uh, um, the different blockchains have the, the profitability of mining on them uh, varies greatly from blockchain to blockchain. And it, it's not just a matter of, of the implementation itself uh, or how easy it is to mine. It, it's also a matter of, of the market. Um, like what are the like the gas fees uh, for, on, on Ethereum for type blockchain, for example. Um, it, so the, and, and it is a constantly moving target. There is, I don't think there's any inherent stability in, in, in the, the mining setup because that the more miners get added, um, the, hmm. the faster, the 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 blockchain will um will uh, will uh, um work through the uh pending transactions which means the 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 fees go down which means the incentive for mining goes down uh which means miners move to a different blockchain uh which means that the the speed mm -hmm. at which mining happens goes down mm -hmm. so so, so the, the, there's no balance point with those, and and that is only with, with proof of work chains. Um, proof of stake is significantly different as well. Like you, you don't need, you don't need to outcompete the other miners. You just need to park your node there uh, and have it be online and responsive. Right. Right. That's that's the hypothesis at any rate. Oh, there's also, um, I mean, there, there, uh, it feels like there's some parallels to the first half of the conversation to um, uh, what might be considered, uh, by some of us at least, the assumed um, trend for uh, hardware utilization as it relates to application design. So I, I want to start there and then I'll come back to the, to the questions of, um, of miners and stakers and, and, and blockchain users and how their usage differs in impact on demand for infrastructure and availability of infrastructure. But if you think about um, blockchain, other than the fact that um, uh, for Bitcoin specifically or other mainly, mainly mining oriented um, coin activities like blockchain, um, you could argue that what we're seeing is what compute needs to be, right? And that's that compute is throwaway and the applications are what drive the use of the compute. 
Um, you get, get, I've, I've been saying for years that we need to challenge the assumption of what makes a data center and what makes a piece of hardware uh, and how they should be owned. And a big part of that is, is a combination of um, uh, modern reliability in, in, a, in less of a package than we've historically been assumed to require, as in even a bare metal basic server with one power supply and one fan has much better reliability today than one that was built 20 years ago. That changes your assumptions about um, what you need to buy, depending on what kind of application you have. And then application design obviously continues to trend towards the idea that the application is not where you build resiliency um, or the hardware is not where you build resiliency, it's the application. And so what we're seeing Mine in, in, in blockchain Bitcoin mining is as, a, as the worst case example or best case example, depending on your perspective, is what compute and data centers may in fact look like 10 years from now or even five or six years from now. Um, as we get to the point where applications can be sent virtually anywhere where there's resource available and the quality of that resource and quality of the containment of that resource is much less material than the availability of it and the currency of it from a, from a capability standpoint. Um, and then, you know, to, to some of the points made about blockchain um, mining versus stakers, et cetera, is that in mining, for the most part, they don't give a shit about availability. No, sure, they don't want their data center to be down two or three days a month because that impacts profitability. But there's no disadvantage to having the data center down for an hour other than the fact that you're not mining. In many cases, when you're staking, doing proof of work, proof of stake, um, et cetera, et cetera, when you're down, the impact is much worse. Mm. Not only do you lose time on the chain, but you have to play catch up. And that costs you the very coin that you're trying to earn by providing some level of service to that chain, whether it's Filecoin or Solana or some other. And so reliability is Contrary to what most people in the, in, the, in the data center space, the actual data center facility space believe, many of the blockchain environments today actually do depend on reasonably high availability. Um, and as a result um, uh, uh, of that and their need for decentralization or desire for decentralization, um, they've put uh, services like um, um, having everything in, in Amazon um, uh, on the front page because of the risk of having uh, uh, major outages like we did uh, in the last half of last year cause serious disruption to their environments. So there's, there, there isn't a single easy answer for um, how to address the problem. It's application specific. But I, um, but I do think that um, we as an industry, if we want to get to the point where we're maximizing utilization of hardware. Um, and this goes back to a conversation, Rob, that you and I had on your podcast five years ago. I think it was five years ago about the notion that if we really want to get to the point where we're, we're leveraging and maximizing um, edge and infrastructure in general, um, things like blockchain and multi-use just in time, you know, smart contract use of resources, wherever they are, whoever provisioned them, is, is the logical path for our future. And so um, blockchain infrastructure or something like that might in fact be uh, um, just really a harbinger of things to come rather than something we should hate uh, as most of us do today. Uh, I, 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Klaus. Uh, I, I wanted to, to zero in on, on one thing you said, uh, Mark. Like you, you said that reliability is becoming crucial. Um, I would partially disagree. Uh, uh, what, what is becoming crucial with, with proof-of-stake chains is uptime, not necessarily reliability. Your, your node may be unreliable in, in that it goes down for a minute every hour. And that is... And, and in proof of stake chains, that is fine, uh, as long as your your uptime, uh, as long as you're present within the epoch uh, of the of the chain, um, then you don't get penalized for it. No, that's so, that's true. That's true, Klaus. All, all I, I was really referring to um, availability and uptime is more. Um, the outages that traditional data centers protect against, like uh, uh, being, yeah, being down for by uh, you know because of a power outage or some other failure for you know minutes or hours at a time. Yeah. So 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 in in, in that sense, what what is important for for the miners is uh, redundancy, or I, I guess the stakers in, in in this case because proof of. Uh, stick doesn't have minus really, uh, but yeah, redundancy is, is what's important for that. Uh, they, they, they can have distributed nodes. Only one of them at, at a time would be the the one staking. But if it, if it goes down within a minute, they're, they're able to to promote another one to 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 be the right. uh, um, uh, the one actually doing the staking. And the, the, and this is one of the things that we had talked about before the. In, in a proof of stake environment, it's fundamentally an enterprise data center. There's there, when when we get caught up on, you know, a, a mining facility. It typically is a proof of work facility, a proof of stake facility. Um, at, you know, and Mark, clarify this or anybody else, but it, a proof of stake facility is is really not a single use facility from that perspective. It's it could run. It's not other workloads. Uh, that's and, that's yeah. And in fact, there's now a market for um, staking uh, service providers, where basically they set up the nodes for you in in, in their own data centers or or, or across the, the, their own accounts. And, and you just you just connect your staking account to to their nodes. Yeah, that's what that's sort of what we do, Klaus. Yep. It's at least part of the service that we offer now at Edgevana. And and it's a it it's a it, it it's a it's a working model, but um, particularly because the the, the stakers uh, they don't need to have the knowledge to to run the, the notes. Well, yeah, the I mean that's the big opportunity from our my perspective, Klaus. For us, is mm -hmm. that almost every single person is um, coming at this opportunity or whatever it is, whether it's real or not, they're coming at this opportunity. Um, with limited knowledge of running infrastructure, owning data center space, buying network, owning a server, updating software on a server, yeah. maintaining performance, uh, none of that. So our yeah. ability to offer that kind of package um, is, uh, is, is meeting with some significant level of appeal to the community. Yep, yep. Uh, when, when, when I was working uh, at, at Polymath, uh, a, a lot of my... A significant portion of my time was spent uh, talking both with uh, with entities who who wanted to do staking uh, and with, with vendors who who wanted to do 
to, to offer the this exactly this exact service for those entities um be, because um there is a a lack of knowledge uh around uh, this that there's a desire to run these nodes but the lack of knowledge uh brings in a lot of hesitation and being able to, to just do like a, a one-click solution like, like you do with with amazon to to, to bring up a node uh, and, and start staking it, it's it, it it removes a, a lot of that doubt right agreed So can I connect the dots between that and one of the other things that we brought up, which is workload portability? Um, because right, Mark, you're right. We've been talking about workload portability for you know years, feels like generations. And it's incredibly hard to achieve and it's getting harder to achieve because all the clouds have so many specialized services that lock that in. Um, it sounds like some of the proof of stake work is relatively portable and that might be a good thing but proof of stake by itself is not workload portability it's it's maybe an underlying mechanism but um do is 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 data center portability or workload portability um a critical component for this i don't i don't know that um and sorry rich uh, i jumped in in front of you i apologize um i don't know that um how much workload portability would make up um, the rough dream we had about multi-use um, just-in-time environments, you know, at the edge when we talked about it five years ago. Uh, I see it more um, not so much um, as uh, workload portability as um, destination flexibility uh, for workloads. Uh, um, so, probably something that I wish we'd come up with the name, but something closer to, uh, I think Lori said it first, Lori uh, McVitie, uh, other people are using it now. The idea of the super cloud, right? Which is uh, this notion that um, you actually do create an abstraction layer above the different cloud services that um, keep you from being dependent on the specific API calls and service levels that are offered at each unique cloud. But I think, you know, something like that um, needs to be developed in combination with smart contracts. And smart contracts, I believe, are important because my, you know, my working assumption is that some significant portion of workloads at the edge will be extremely transient. Uh, they'll be short-lived wherever they occur, and the application may be a one-time use opportunity for an event or an activity. It may be gone after that, and the ability to instantly absorb resource across anything from an enterprise data center with excess capacity to Cloudflare's capacity and everything in between to absorb and use that as opportunistically as possible based on latency and price and, and performance quality, et cetera, et cetera, um, is the opportunity from a smart chain standpoint is, or smart contract standpoint is, is as most of us probably already know, the, the notion that you know, if Rich or Mark or Rob or Klaus have to spend even 10 seconds historically or in real time helping somebody create or, or access a transaction on infrastructure, and that transaction is only worth 10 cents or 5 cents to the seller, then you've spent too much time. You can't do it. So smart contracts, on the other hand, potentially create the opportunity of selling infrastructure by the penny 
where a, a function as a service could transit a thousand nodes in a, in a given city or a given country um, for five minutes or two minutes or one minute. And, um, and everyone that makes up those thousand nodes, regardless of how many vendors or suppliers that is, will just get pennies put in their bank. But they don't have to look at it. They don't have to talk about it. They didn't have to write contracts, new contracts for it. So it's still worth it in aggregate. As, as long as the, the chain is healthy and, uh, and uh, fairly uh, low risk, it, it, it's actually a, a better financial bet to, to be staking passively on, on a chain than, than it is to, to be putting money into the stock market. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks, I apologize. Thank you very much. I got to run and I apologize, Rich, for, um, for making you delayed. But no uh, good seeing everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. The, the premise of the question was about workload portability. And I, I just want to make sure I understand when you say that, you, what, what your preconditions are, are your preconceived notions here. I mean, if I, if I think about workload portability and then start to daydream about things like uh, WebAssembly and being able to you know, package up pretty much anything in a container um, and manage it, you know, it, at a very low low price, um, it's highly secure, and in fact might be kind of the answer, not as a competitor, but as a, in conjunction with things like Kubernetes on the, on the edges of, of networks, pretty, or forget edges, anywhere in, in, these, in these networks, then you actually do have a form of workload portability that's at reasonable cost and so forth. So here's my, I mean, as much as I'd like to be able to, you know, hang this whole thing on smart contracts, um, the underpinnings there are uh, kind of what's important to get right first. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean that the this portability is actually um, where I see Web three. Uh, gaining headway. Like right now, Web3 as it is used, it, it, it's rather useless because it is strongly tied into cryptocurrencies. And I don't yeah. think that's the, the, the right use for it. But it doesn't have to be. It, it can be exactly. just portable exactly. applications with a with distributed databases. And, and that's exactly the, 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 the use case that you described there. Yep. That's why that leads me to think about, you know, a, kind of a path to kinds of workload portability. I think we're really after it. Um, it has the promise of, you know, okay, it's not right once run anywhere, but it's getting a little bit closer at least for a class, certain class of um, of workloads, 
Um, that's where I, that's where I think it starts. The question of how do you commercialize it and how do you manage it? How do you put it into a into a, a marketplace? Yeah, smart contracts probably going to be required if you're going to be dealing with levels of microtransactions, but um, that's not the place to start my mind. Well, I think this also goes to the bigger question of separating compute and storage. And I look at it from the point of view to Rich's point about portability, I see it very much the same way. Composability goes to portability or portability goes to composability, whichever way you wanna consider those two terms. But there isn't really a reason, especially in Web3, I know it's complex. I completely appreciate that point, but you should be able to pick up a workload and move it wherever you need to move it to get the most bang for your buck. And there's no reason, and I think Klaus would agree with me, nodes move all the time in blockchain, right? You can pick up yeah. your node and move it to another jurisdiction if you need to. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say exactly separation of compute and storage. I, I, I would say more, we, we're seeing uh, a transition uh, right now where storage is starting to become as ubiquitous as compute. And more importantly, the data that is being stored is also becoming ubiquitous. So that sure. you, you can take your compute from one zone to sorry, another what, Klaus, and attach it to the same data and continue your work. Klaus, what does that what did you mean by the data is ubiquitous? No storage. Uh, so so with blockchain, for example, uh, no, no matter where you know this. Because it is a globally sh shared database, you you can you can attach to the blockchain and use the same data that within certain reasonable limits that another node on the other end of the globe is is also using. Okay, so yeah. you you've somehow mastered it. You've got a golden you've got a a golden data data element somewhere. You you got the eventual consistency. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and 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 on. In some cases, you you can ignore latency. In many cases, you can't. Uh, we we know that from from our long history of distributed compute that that certain cases just don't work well with with, with high latency. But yes, um, late like it, it it is not an uh, a universal solution. But but for cases that tolerate high latency, it is viable. I mean, transactions, I mean, the word transaction implies asset, and that implies, uh, that directly contradicts the concept of eventual consistency. Um, Somebody needs to explain that to me. Uh, so eventual consistency, uh, in, in terms of the, the, the blockchain means that the data that you have may not necessarily be the, the latest data. However, with smart contracts and, and, and other blockchain-based technologies, you have the uh, you have the way to, to, rec to reconcile that. Let's say 
okay, I'm going to start this transaction with the assumption that this is the state. If the, 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 if the state is not what, what it, it actually is, then it gets reconciled based on the rules of, 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 the, of the contract or, or the chain. Uh, oh, whether, whether that means that it gets recalculated or, or, or it means that the, the data gets updated, uh, it depends on implementation. But, but there are ways of safely implementing this. Uh, and there's a, there, in, in many cases, transactions on on on, on blockchains means uh, ensuring atomic swaps of of resources, whether it's money to money or or, or securities to to money or or I don't know concert tickets to IOUs, whatever atomic swaps. Jaren, did you have something to add? I had a, I have a question. I did. <laughs> Please go ahead. Go ahead. My question will wait. Sorry, I, I, you know, it's a bit late in the conversation now, but I was going to use the example of why Seagate entered this new portable storage capability, where it literally will drop a box anywhere in the world, just of storage. And I mean, think of it as like a USB on steroids, but irrespective of that, as long as the compute part is containerized or portable in one way or another, and I'm not talking about the workload, I'm talking about the application rather of than the data itself, you can have them in two separate facilities. You can have them wherever you want. So to that level of portability, I'm not sure that going forward, we're not going to see more of it coming down the pike. I mean, I'm waiting for an, an announcement that's coming out of SAP today, and I believe that this is part of it hmm. because they have not done well or as well as they expected to do with um, uh, their cloud operation. So they're trying to do this in a slightly different way, calling it edge-like. But they have partnered with Seagate to do part of that work. So oh, oh. I don't know what I know yet and can't say too much about it, but irrespective of that, I think this notion of, and Klaus, I agree with you, it's, it's early in the game to separate compute and storage, but I see these as becoming two parallel streams. But I, that here's and here's my question because the doing you know doing work there's there's relatively little work and I'd love to hear use cases where the, if this is wrong that are that that can be done computing work that can be done without access to the data you know immediate access to the data or secure access right there's a security component to the data or services or, or things like that so I, i'm just struggling to see the a preponderance of use cases that you can uh so easily decouple from from the surrounding services and infrastructure um i would say that there are some cases of rpa where that's true okay Usually in, 
it depends on the industry, but in those industries, like there's work going on in ARSG that talks to the decoupling to the point where you're not actually look at, looking at the automotive telemetry da data, but you have access to the service and you have the authentication, identity management, all of that stuff as well. And it's coming from machine to machine. Okay. But, I, but machine to machine traffic is not easily globally redistributable. It's redistributable. It's it, that's local edge work. Um, not entirely, actually, okay. because there is there is some work that the maker, the automotive maker itself will have to be able to broadcast on a worldwide basis. What do you the instruction, Don? Seems that the the examples we're using of um, are extremely narrow. Yeah, they're like we're reaching mm -hmm. defined examples as opposed to this is like a one percent problem of the workloads that are out there, or or am I misunderstanding? The all. <laughs> You're not mis misunderstanding actually, and, and that is the one one of the, the the biggest reasons why blockchain technologies are being are, are seen as a fad these these days is because in many cases new chains are are, are trying to reach for our use cases like the the use cases for distributed data are very limited just by the nature of the data being distributed. When they work, like security training, for example, they're excellent. They're, they're superior to anything else out there. And that is because they, they essentially mimic the offline uh, process that, that you would do anyway. Like when, when, when you buy a house, okay, you, you, somebody puts a house on offer, you, uh, uh, so, someone puts a house on market, you, you put in an offer, the, the person decides, yeah, I want to accept your offer. Okay, now you need to go to a lawyer, draw up a, draw up a contract. It needs to be signed by, by both parties, goes back and forth. The money needs to be put in escrow. All of this is transactional. It's atomic swaps. This can be done on a blockchain in minutes. And, and, and that is where, where blockchains are really strong. Trying to do, this, trying to do some, some, something else that is not transactional like this on a chain, it, it it in many cases it doesn't make sense and that, and that that's going back to your comment like one percenter yes it's it's a limited use case it's just there's enough of them to 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 make it worth considering. Who needs to buy a house in ten minutes? Well, <laughs> maybe not buy a house in ten minutes, but 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 look at look at it differently no. now. Look, look at security straits, which which is not just houses. Let's say you're in the UK, I, I'm in North America, and you're selling something that, that is backed by securities. I want to buy it. I need it now because my business needs it now. Yeah, and this is done every day to the tune of multiple trillions of dollars in the system that already works. How is putting it on blockchain making it fundamentally better? That's because it's question. because it's faster. 
the the no, the, the amount of time that the, that the, that the banks are spending on verifying these transactions, they're drooling at, at the speed at which they they could do it on the blockchain because it means that they can do more transactions with the exact same guarantees. It certainly normalizes the technology behind building out these networks. But then again, it hmm. it it's a very narrow application of it of a very interesting transaction. Um, but it's that's very important. But um, other than the banking industry and um, and possibly some sort of. Um, Replacement uh, I, for no, I, I, PayPal. I, I actually, but um, I'm not I think sure there's better, really much of a use. Excuse me, John, but I think even a, a better example would be logistics, and this is a place where multiple parties have to exchange any number of uh, documents, agreements. There are multiple transactions that have to take place. There are certain times when they must be done in sequence. There are other times when they can be done in parallel. And by placing that kind of an ecosystem on distributed ledger technologies, blockchains, um, you do, in fact, get a much more efficient and you do save time going through in in particular, international or multi-jurisdictional uh, situations with with logistics, and Ooh. you know, I think that that's as good, if not in some cases, a better use case. So, so, so I think the actual better use case and the nuance on that I would put, Rich, is that to me makes a lot more sense especially if the two if the parties involved don't trust each other exactly yeah right is, so it seems like the drug dealers of the world really like this idea i well i actually so i so, i think so, so that it's the much, logistics much and broader and 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 petroleum companies of the world well, I mean, it's, it's, I'll, I'll love petroleum companies and drug dealers in together, if you don't mind. Yeah, so. no, but, but <laughs> I'm with you on that but, one, but but I well, I think that, that there are more. Uh, anytime you have interactions between multiple parties, so two or more, but the more people you add, the more valuable the technology gets. I mean, even going back to the house, right? In 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 transacting a, re a real estate transaction isn't just between the the buyer and the seller there's agents involved there's inspectors involved there's banks on both sides there's the state which is collecting taxes right the insurance companies that are in, you know guaranteeing insurance for this um, there are a significant number of check boxes and parties that all of all of whom need to be trusted and engaged to make that transaction occur. And, and so I actually think it's a better example. And, you know, I'm in the process of, of transacting on a house right now, and it is very unclear where different parties are in the state but, of doing that work. Um, but, that, but that's the job of the escrow lawyer to manage that. That's why you're paying the escrow fees. You're not paying them to hold on to your money. You're paying them to manage the transaction. 
Well, no, but also the now, now imagine you didn't have to pay that. Yeah, but you're going to have to pay it because the transaction's complicated and you can't explain it to a computer. You can even, actually even even with a, yeah, even with can. a smart contract. I mean, I, I don't mind paying somebody for the for the transaction. Let me let me let let's take that that out of it. What what we don't have is we don't have a centralized place except for our doing it, that's coordinating these activities of all these people. And so, right, we're getting calls all the time. Did the bank finish this? They didn't tell me. Did this people do, right? It's, it is literally hurting cats because nobody actually has a, a centralized, and I, I don't know that it's any easier to do this with blockchain because you're going to have to have all the participants <laughs> agree to do it with the blockchain. So it's, it's yeah. you're switching. I don't have a database to do this. I could. I, mm-hmm. I'm moving to a place where, I, you know, maybe I'll have a date, maybe I'll have a, not a database, have a thing that is a database of sorts to do it. So, so um, like, so like when I bought and sold houses in the United States, I ended up with like a three inch D ring binder <laughs> full of that's right. involved for the entire disaster. In Canada, it's three pages of like legal size paper to buy and sell a house. So, they're, huh. it, you know, it's really dead simple to buy and sell out in Canada. Um, well, that, that, that depends on the province, but but yes, it, it's, it's less than than the United States. Um, but you know, you know, you know, I have a certificate that says my house is not on the migratory path of the California red-legged toad. Right, that's part of the transaction. These transactions, they're really complicated. They vary from jury jurisdiction to that's the point I'm making, right? Is yeah, there's a huge amount of nuance in these large in these large complicated transactions. This is not going to you know the you know the corner store and and buying a candy bar. And and, and that is exactly what what the the, the smart contracts encode. Like they, 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 but the problem uh, is, is you have to know everything in advance of what is involved in that transaction. And quite often, anybody who's bought and sold a house, at least in the United States, and Rob is finding out, there's going to be like eight curveballs thrown at him during this process that were unanticipated. Oh, yeah. Something new found in the inspection that requires further work yeah. in the city or... I mean, there's, there's, I'm literally like, I, that my camera went off because I was dealing with the bank asking me for, you know, they're going back through all my old checking records and they're like asking me who people are, which is ridiculous. And and that that is exactly the view of the, uh, of the, of doing this with the smart chain. It's not that all of this information is, is obviated. It's just that it gets put on the chain up front and you have access to it basically instantly. Yeah. But you don't know what the information you need is. Well, I think this is one of those. I think this like, is one of those problems of a cool technology looking for a customer, looking and, for and, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, I don't you, think you, so. you don't. You don't need to know the 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 what what information you you need upfront. You you just at the time that that you finalize the transaction that's where you need to know the transaction and that's where you set your requirements to say i need i need the inspection signed off i i need uh the, the money to be put in escrow and i need this and that and those are all requirements for the contract to finalize if they're not met the contract is not finalized but that is that is a tiny tiny fraction of the extra the point i'm making is that that's a that actual transaction piece the exchange of the money 
is a tiny piece of the transaction. It's not the interesting part. That two or three percent efficiency means a lot when you're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. Sure. It doesn't matter whether it's hundreds of billions of dollars or 50 bucks. It's the same amount of complexity. Right. Ask any account. I understand, but it's the value to the business is if I can get an extra three or four billion dollars, that's a lot. It is a lot. The business people, not to the account. All right. This is something we'll, we'll, we're going to we should do a DLT topic again, uh, which is which is a normal for us. Um, and we, we, we should keep coming because I think that that this um, clearly is believed to be a dominant uh, computing workload in the future. And, and the fact that we are still ambiguous about it is is a challenge. Um, and and I think appropriately when we want to talk about the infrastructure, I think talking about the what the infrastructure will do and why it needs to be distributed is actually more important than any other component. Clearly, from the way the discussion went. So, y'all, I love that the heated, but we are out of time until um, un- until next week. So. And next week's topic is green data centers again. So Don, you can cool. Uh, I'll have I'll have some research and data to share on that one also. So awesome. Bye. All right, everybody. Ciao. Thanks. Good day. Wow, I, I love these conversations that start off about something like do we need GPUs and different types of silicon and specialized data centers and transform into really trying to understand what the workloads are, what the use cases are for that infrastructure? Because ultimately that's what drives everything. We will keep having this discussion. There's a lot more to, to break down and understand, a lot more about the coming aspects of Web3, if you believe they're coming or not, uh, how they will arrive. Please join us at the 2030.cloud. I want to hear your opinions and thoughts on this. We have robust, energetic conversations, and they are always better with new voices. Join us. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently. Because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.